remind you of something? You're familiar with um, talent shows, something like that? Yeah, rings a bell somewhere? Not so sure. You can respond, you can tell me. Yes, yes, okay. Yeah, yeah, it, it should, it should. If it doesn't, then not bad, not good. Uh, so, you know, there are these talent shows, there is a lot of them, and uh, I don't know about you, but I have this thing that whenever I watch, I don't watch them often, but if I watch any, and someone is not performing well, especially if they sing, and you know when they start that singing is not their talent, and yet they are in a talent show, I just, I'm so embarrassed, I want to hide, I, will, I just, I can't look, you know, my, my, my teeth hurt, you have that, anybody, anybody, yeah, thank you, thank you, yeah, it just, you feel it, you just feel it physically, it just hurts, yeah, so that's me, my husband, on the other hand, loves it, he's kind of like, hey, nobody forced them to go there, so, <laughs> yes, but, but I, I, I just, I'm so embarrassed, I just want to hide, and I, I, yeah, so that's me, there is a, a second thing that I feel when I watch things like that, especially if there are kids performing, I watch it sometimes with our boys, and, and there is this kid, and they sing, and it's nice, and, and you, you know it's good, you know it's, it's good, and yet no one has turned, or no one buzzed the whatever they do. It's kind of like, oh, I'm so sorry, I feel so bad, and this kid, this poor kid, you know, it, it's me, I don't know, you feel that? You feel this compassion inside of you, yeah, some of you. Okay, the rest is uh, no compassion, yeah. No, 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 it's me, it's me. My husband, yeah, the gift of compassion. You know, so, and it's, it's all, <laughs> please don't st steal my show now. Uh, so, you know, it's all good with the talent shows, whether we like them or not, we, we have a choice, we don't have to watch them. The problem starts when we treat life like a, one huge talent show like one huge contest, and we do it on different levels. Uh, we see this in relationships. We, we treat people like in a contest, like in a talent show. If they act according to what I like, according to what's good for me, then okay, I might actually accept them. Or we are treated like that. People look at us and they say, well, you did not hit that note well, so see ya. And we live life convinced that this is the way it should be, which is not true. And we live that way, looking at others, looking at ourselves, but first of all, we look the same at God. And we used to do that even before they came up with the talent shows. We think that God is this judge sitting on a chair, but he sits on a throne. But we think he sits on his chair and he's looking and he's thinking, hmm, well, you did not hit that note today, so maybe tomorrow. Or we think that if we come to him, he's going to see so many bad things that are in us that he's not going to accept us. And we view this magnificent God, almighty God, who has given all for us as a judge sitting on the throne, pointing all our faults, mistakes, anything we lack. And it doesn't matter how long you've known God. You may be, here starts my props, you may be on a journey to discover God. You may be like a 
Play-Doh or a clay. You know, Bible talks that we are clay and he is a potter. And he makes something beautiful out of the clay if we only allow him. But you may be this clay and depending what happens to your life, you change, but you are shapeless. And you are afraid to come to God because of all the faults, of all the problems that you have, of all the things that you think you have or you don't have that he needs in you. And so you're not coming. Or religion has told you, you're not good enough. Church is great in that. You're not good enough. You know, he's perfect. He's holy. What about you? You know, you don't fit into the box. You don't wear proper clothes. You know, you don't think proper way. Religion is holding you back from him. Thank God for Holy Spirit. And one day he comes and he convict, convicts you. But the conviction is that he is good and he loves you. And he has, accepts you. He wants you. So you come to him and you let him shape you. You let him make you into something incredible. And you live with him. But as we say, as you say, as our brother Americans say, life happens. Right? Life happens. And in this life that happens, what he made, we easily destroy. He created something beautiful, but we mess up or we get run over by different people, by their opinions, by what they do to us, by different things that hurt us. And we feel like a piece of rubble, not a masterpiece anymore. And we think that because of that, because of what we did, because of what others did to us, we are no longer acceptable. Because he made me into something beautiful, and yet I messed up. I failed. So how can he accept me again? And we are afraid to come to him again because he's there sitting on a judgment seat and he's going to judge me and he's going to condemn me and he's going to point all my weaknesses, all my failures. Or we're afraid to come because we think that we need to get together. We need to make ourselves work because everything around us tells us that, you know, you have to do something about your life. You have to put, put these pieces together. Come on, you have to do it on your own. You're self-made men. You have to make yourself back into something before you actually come to him so that he can accept you. And we live in a lie. And sometimes we actually manage to put ourselves together. And we even make it look pretty okay. Or not really. We tried, but there are cracks. Things are falling apart and it doesn't look well. We try to put everything together. We try to, to make ourselves into someone who he can again accept. To show him, actually I can do something. You know, I'm able to. And, and we, we try, but we still don't feel enough. We st still know there are so many things in us that he will never accept me. 
he will never want me because of what I did, because what, of what others did to me, because of the things that are in me. And we're afraid. We're standing in distance. Or we try really hard and we think we're making it. We're making it. Look. And we come to him standing in the distance and showing him the good side. Because we know that deep down inside there are things that are not well. We're hurting because somebody has hurt us because we feel maybe rejected. Maybe there are things that we did that we're ashamed of and we are hiding them deep, deep, deep down in our hearts, being afraid to come to God and reveal this to Him and open up fully because we're afraid He's not going to accept us. Because if He sees me for who I really am, how can He love me? And that's a lie we've been living in. That's the lie the world is telling us. That's the lie religion has been telling us for ages. And it's so sad. But God doesn't look at us this way. You know, there is a story in Matthew chapter 8. It's right after God, Jesus, God, man, spoke to people about kingdom of God. And he's going down the mountain. And there is this man who sees him. And he's, he has leprosy. He's a leper. And you know, back then, people who, were, who had leprosy, they had to live outside the city. They had to live by themselves. No one could touch them. And even walking anywhere, they had to cry out, shout for everybody to know, unclean, unclean. This is a picture. This uncleanness is a picture of so often our lives. We feel unclean. We feel that He is so good and so holy. That there are so many things in us that still, it's not possible for Him to accept me. It's not possible for Him to actually like me. Because I heard this. Because people told me. Because I feel this about myself. And you know, this man comes to Jesus. And he stands on his way, which he shouldn't be doing. And he says, Lord, if you want, you can make me clean. And you know what Jesus does? He comes and he's touching him. Someone who was untouchable. No one was supposed to touch him. He knew that. He was unworthy. He wasn't supposed to be there. And yet Jesus, holy God, touches him and says, I want to be healed. I want. And I believe this, this small phrase, I want, is something that we all need to hear. God wants you. He's not sitting on this chair or throne in heaven pointing your weaknesses, your problems, your sins, and your unworthiness. But he's sitting on the throne in heaven saying, I want you. I want you. This chair is not turning around. This is not something that you will revolve, you know, it will revolve and you will think, oh, maybe tomorrow he's not going to want me anymore. No, no, no. This is, this is said and done. You know what it happened? On the cross. When Jesus said it, it's finished. 
Because so many things want to steal from us this one truth that He wants you. Not your neighbor, not your friend, you. With all the things that you think you have wrong in your life. With all the things that you are afraid to give to Him because how can you live if you give it to Him? You know, unforgiveness is one of the things that we hold on to so much. Why? Because we think that if we give it to God, then does it mean that these people are not guilty? We're so afraid that there will be no justice because we want our own justice, not knowing that forgiveness gives us freedom to actually live, to actually live without any condemnation. It frees us. And we want to be just. We want justice. So we look at other people and we think that, you know, how can, how can we forgive them? Or we look at ourselves and we think, how can I forgive myself? And, you know, with all that, we actually disqualify the cross. We think we are just forgetting about his righteousness. We think we're unworthy forgetting that he made us worthy through Christ. He made the price, the ultimate price, and it is finished. And he wants you, no matter what is in your life, no matter what has happened, what, has, what people have told you, what you've done, what has been done to you, he's waiting for you. But the only thing that can stop you is you. You know, in the very beginning, when man decided that we're going to make a choice of what's good or bad. That's when it all started. And Satan is still using the same lies to convince us that we should actually hide from God. You know, they hid. You know why? Because they were ashamed. They were guilty. They felt guilty. And they were afraid. And today, these are the reasons why we do not come to God. And it doesn't matter whether you just met God yesterday or thinking about actually starting a journey with him or you've known God for 500 years. It doesn't matter how many sermons you heard or how many times you've read the Bible, how well you know it by heart. We all have things inside of us that we are afraid, ashamed or feel too guilty to give to him. But he's saying, I want you. I want you. I don't care about any of these things. Because Jesus has already died for it. Will you receive it? Will you receive it? He's asking and he's waiting. And it's going to happen every single day of your life. He's going to be waiting. And the moment you decide to really give him everything, the moment you will start living fully and in freedom. Because he loves you. And we need to stop living in our own justice, righteousness. In our own thinking of what it means to be accepted by God when we are qualified to be accepted by God. We have to start living by his standards and by what he says. In Romans chapter 3, it says that the righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus 
Christ. It's only through Christ that we can have fullness. And I believe that this is something that God wants to tell every single one of us. I want you. But are you ready and willing to give me your all? You know, we say that when we come to God, we give him our life. This is what we teach often. And this is what we understand from the Bible, that we come to God and we say, Lord, I give you my life. But you know what it means to give him life? It's very difficult. It means to give him your life. But your life means everything. And we say, I give you my life, but we hold on to things because we're afraid, because we are ashamed, because we feel guilty. And God, say, God says, give me your life and I will make you new. Because he's not putting all these pieces and trying to make it work just like we are trying to make it work. No, 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 no. When you give him your life, he's making something totally new. Because he is the God who is creator. He's not a God of trying to glue together a few pieces and making sure that maybe through the cracks it's not going to fall. He's making you new, perfect, without any spot, without, and with some water. Yes. He wants to make you new if you only will be willing to give your all. Because that is what is stopping us from receiving his fullness. When you give him all, he will heal you. He will restore you. He will make you new. And you'll see what it means to live life to the fullness and life in freedom.